tyranny. It's as American as beer and baseball. This is the America Beer, Baseball, Tyranny podcast with your hosts, Joshua Sopko and Aaron Bloomer. Josh. Yeah. Good to see you again. How you been? Nah, hanging in there. It's been a while. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> What's this monstrosity we have at the beginning here? You brought this one up. I brought the good stuff last time, the, the hams, and you brought this thing, and I said, what is this? And you said, I don't know. It's been sitting in my fridge. For a long time. <laughs> so it's fermented. I honestly think I got it for my 30th birthday. Oh, shit. So it's probably five years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 59er. Uh, from Odell Brewing. So it's a Brett Golden Ale. So Brett is a type of um, yeast, I believe. Okay. Yep. And so it's a Brett Golden Ale. It's 10% alcohol. <laughs> this should be a great episode. We're going to watch me open this on film here. Make sure it's, I don't it's corked with a little uh, fancy twist tie. Uh, cap to it. I've never seen a cap like that. This is neat. It's on wine a lot. Well, maybe not a lot. I don't drink wine either, so. Oh boy, here we go. Let's get this on it. <laughs> He's twisting and twisting and twisting. I just don't want it to explode. Oh my. Oh, and the little, oh, the little smoke comes out of it. And it's going to overflow. Oh man. <laughs> well unrelated story i made some bath bombs this morning for the very first time okay on a, live on facebook and i wanted to show people what a finished bath bomb looked like so i filled up a tub of water and i put the bath bomb in there and uh it uh made a huge mess <laughs> it overflowed all over the floor uh on live facebook live so a bunch of people watched me well it just shows that it's legit <laughs> that it actually you know, it fuzzes. It fizzes for sure. Not unlike this crafty 59er. Let's uh, just let it go, man. Brett Golden. Oh, that's not bad. You're good. You're golden. Like the ale itself. Smells good. Fort Collins, Colorado, Odell Brewing Company. Now you got to do the uh, very special pour. It's uh, very amber in color. Got some floaters. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> it's bottle conditioned. That means it was bottled, uncarbonated. Okay. And then uh, they add sugar wow. uh, to the bottle. And mm. then the remaining yeast in the beer eats the sugar. Eats the sugar. It produces carbonation. Correct. Poops out bubbles. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and. Um, alcohol there's kind of a science to that that they can do in each bottle usually they will do that in the big jugs and then bottle it yeah is is typically how it smells really good like different oh my fruity like but it does say there's some pineapple let me read let's (laughs) let's read this brett or bust 1859 was the peak of the colorado gold rush Prospects and dreamers, later dubbed 59ers, journeyed across the land with the hopes of striking it rich. 
In that spirit of adventure, 59er is a golden ale aged in oak staves and bottled condition with Breton noises, a yeast as wild as the new frontier. The lustrous golden brew shines with hint of lemon zest and pear, accentuated with a rich vanilla and almond oak character and a subtle, earthy, spiced pineapple bread finish. I, I took a sip. I know we're not going to review this till the end. I should have brought some Tums. <laughs> it's interesting for sure. There's a lot going. On, there's a lot going on here. That is crazy. We will review our thoughts after we've finished our glasses. You know what's crazy? What's that? You trying to sell hand sanitizer? <laughs> oh man. I think I really wanted, I honestly like did a little bit of looking beforehand. I wanted to see if we could get like a wireless blood pressure monitor (laughs) and hook it up to Josh and then like have it live on our little monitor here and, and, and just watch his blood pressure increase as we talk about this. And as I try to piss him off, side note, do not ever try to schedule a uh, life insurance review during the middle of a pandemic. Why? Because your blood pressure will just naturally be high mm. from, the, like from a... the stress of the world. So I'm going to get a poor rating <laughs> from my life insurance uh, thing. We, we tried it. I made her take it like seven times. She's like, well, we only have to take it three times. I was like, take it again. Like, I got to get the <laughs> sucker down. Use the best three. <laughs> take it again. <laughs> it didn't work. It was, uh, it was hypertension all the way. So. You just need to chill, man. It just it gets it gets worse because now yesterday did you take a bunch of CBD before? I did, I did, and <laughs> I don't know. We didn't take like a before and after, so maybe the CBD did help. It just didn't help enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, sanitizer. So our company, if you guys don't know, uh, my wife and I uh, own a herbal apothecary. So we do herbal remedies. Um, we make a lot of our product ourselves. And when the sanitizer bust hit, or, or boom, I guess, rather, boom. Uh, the boom of uh, a sanitizer, nobody could find it. I, I looked at my wife. I said, we can make sanitizer. Like, we know how to do that. And she said, yeah, we can make it. So what are the basic ingredients? Yeah, it's it's alcohol and aloe vera are the two basic ingredients. That's Al- like literally all you need. Yep. Yep. And you just have to make sure that you uh, are using a good alcohol. Like, there's a lot of recipes floating around to use, like, a vodka. You can't use yeah. vodka. It's 40% alcohol. Yeah, it's 40% alcohol. You need to be at least 60%. So, like, an Everclear works great because mm-hmm. that's uh, 190 proof. So, what's that? 85, 90% uh, alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then you cut it down with, like, an aloe vera. We use all so it's we, more like tolerable on your hands and things. It or? also doesn't evaporate as quickly too. So when you put it on your hands, there's a evaporation yep. that happens that you want to make sure that you fully get it spread around and absorbs into your hand to kill the germs before it evaporates. So when you approach that 80, 85, 90%, it evaporates too quickly for it to actually be effective at killing all the germs on your hands. You have to like dunk your hand in it. Even then, it takes time for that for those germs to kill, um, typically about 20 to 30 seconds. So if it just all evaporates before that time, I suppose you could stick your hand and just leave it sit in there. So um, obviously, the best way is just to wash your hands, right? Like soap, warm water, um, rubbing your hands for 20 seconds, you know, sing the ABCs or Happy Birthday song. Uh, 
So, so alcohol, you cut it down with aloe vera to get the, the alcohol concentration right, a little bit softer in your hands. We use a mixture of glycerin and some different essential oils to make it smell a little bit nicer as well. But essentially, we're looking at alcohol and aloe vera, whether it's a gel or juice. So like rubbing alcohol? Isopropyl alcohol, uh, methyl, eth- methyl ethyl alcohol. Um, reg- uh, you know, any variant of regent alcohols are acceptable. Everclear and grain alcohols are also acceptable to use. Um, but as long as the, the alcohol concentration is, is somewhere in that 90 to 95 percent range mm-hmm. is the most ideal. And then you just cut it with other ingredients after that to get the alcohol concentration. So to make sure it doesn't tear your hands apart type of a thing. Like. Yep. And make sure that the evaporation rate. So the CDC recommended guidelines is 60 percent or above the uh, the the sweet spot. Excuse me. The sweet spot is right about uh, 70 percent. 70 ours is 75 percent um, alcohol, alcohol, kind of, alcohol by volume. That's mm. what you're looking at. So, mm. well, that stuff sounds dangerous. <laughs> it it's not. It's life saving, <laughs> right? When you go, um, when you go to the store and you go to the gas pump, um, you know you want to make sure that you can. When you can't reasonably wash your hands, you want to try and stay protected. So initially, when the coronavirus stuff happened, people bought toilet paper, and then they ran out and bought hand sanitizer, basically. Yep. So you can't find hand sanitizer anywhere. Right. So then there's obviously uh, people out there that are like similar to what you and your wife had is like, well, I can make it. Right. So then smart thing, though, these liquor stores started promoting their grain alcohol. Yep. They're like, hey, this has been on our shelves for a decade. Let's try to get this (laughs) off our shelves. And so now you can't find Everclear anywhere. Right. You can't find isopropyl alcohol really anywhere. No, in volume sorry. uh so yeah where do you want to go do you want to start the fact that you can't even technically make it <laughs> yeah so that led me down the rabbit hole of hey we should make this and sell it in our what, store so not, not i didn't even go directly there the, the the first place was you know okay so we need alcohol uh let's go get alcohol well we we're buying it from the liquor store for a little bit which is just insanely inspect expensive in order for us to be able to effectively reproduce a product uh, that met the market needs and was still at what we believed is a fair price um, that our that our consumers would uh, respect and that we felt good about selling. So I thought, well, let's just buy this uh, alcohol wholesale, you know, like the liquor stores do. Uh, we'll just kind of cut out the middleman and be able to get this alcohol. Nope, you need a license or a permit to do that. You need you need a special um, authorization to be able to buy wholesale liquor from these places. So we started looking at other uh, opportunities. There's region alcohols that are available uh, depending on the buyer. Those are loosely regulated just on their own terms. Some people say we'll only sell to hospitals uh, and clinics because we're just uh, we're a healthcare company. So that's who we sell to. And that's totally fine. That's our niche. That's our niche. Um, So so they like I'm totally fine with that. Uh, Other places were rampantly selling out. So it was just purely unavailable. Which is where it's at now. We initially got, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 gallons right away of this region alcohol, which isn't the best stuff. We don't like it. It's got some ethanol and methanol in it, which isn't great to absorb in your skin. So we were looking for uh, alternatives anyways. Isopropyl alcohol was just gone. I mean, almost right away from mm. everybody. And then, so now we, like, we, we, I mean, every week, almost every couple of days, it was like, we need more alcohol. Like, we, you know, where do we get this stuff from? And... That led me down the road of just a couple days ago, the FDA approved ethanol plants 
to be able to redistribute, because this is not just our problem. This is, I mean, hospitals are having a problem finding enough alcohol to serve the needs of their uh, employees and their nurses and doctors and patients. Also, there's people who are still required to work. We've got office setting bankers. Exactly. Bankers and are nobody still can find and nobody any, can find. Anywhere. And these people are, are going about their day completely unprotected in a world that uh, is unsafe right now. Right? Granted, like, they can, then they do. They should anyway, still wash their hands. Like you, like you said, like washing your hand is the best, right? But you can't do that every time you talk to someone, every time you deal with someone, a little squirt of hand sanitizers is very, very convenient. The the bankers still got to go to the post office from time to time and they got to touch door handles on their way, Mm -hmm. you know? So this is a good way to help them. So, uh, you know, by and large, so so the CDC or the FDA recognized that this was an issue to the degree that alcohol physically is unavailable across the country. We just we just can't get it. Well, these ethanol plants are are sitting on <laughs> hundreds of thousands of gallons of of two hundred proof alcohol. I mean, that's a hundred percent alcohol. They use it to make uh, uh, fuel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're processing stuff like, well, we have it. Using and the corn and whatever, we're yeah. just not allowed to sell. Yeah, it's a it's a grain alcohol. It's, it's a non the byproduct, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, or yep. is it okay? Uh, so what do they do with it normally? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think just they throw use a it massive end of your parties. <laughs> it's I don't think that by the time their end product, uh, it's a pretty raunchy, uh, not drink. So do they just get rid of it? I'm not sure, honestly. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with it. If they're is able that the to steam that it? comes out of the smokestack, they just burn it. It could I'm be. Not, I'm not sure what uh, what they end up doing with it ultimately, but either way, they had tons of it that they are willing to sell. And so I caught wind of this, and so I started calling around some ethanol plants, and it turns out that I need a license to buy from them, even though the FDA uh, deregulated some of the regulations. And I said, yeah, you're now allowed to uh, to sell this uh, product. And they said, when I talked to the couple ladies on the phone, because I called around to a couple of them to see, like, maybe somebody will just sell this to me. Because we need, I mean, we were looking to buy about 150 gallons of it. And that's nothing to them. That's nothing. That would be, like, what they drip off (laughs) of when they're putting it into their barrels. They would just, like, catch it and put it in a barrel for you. It's literally nothing for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, the response that I get was, we can't sell it to you because you don't have a distiller's license still. So... They opened it up to the to some people, the bigger manufacturers that are having trouble keeping up with their production. So you're talking like Johnson and Johnson, like the billion dollars. Yep, they're just unable to keep up with their own production. So now they can now they can distilling all this on their own. Right now they can uh, siphon off from the ethanol plants to be able to fill their needs. But yet here I am, a person that is serving our local community and helping out a lot of people with our hand sanitizer, Mm -hmm. which puts money into our pocket, which we can then redistribute back into the economy. Like, oh, I mean, the whole cycle, right? Do you call local distilleries? Yeah, distilleries or ethanol plants. Distilleries. There's like not in Sioux Falls, but there's distillery in Pier and I think Rapid City. So to buy this alcohol, I need a distiller's license. Because it's the because of, is it because of the alcohol content? Yes. Or the the, how much alcohol is in it? Yep. Yep, if it was beer, we'd be talking about something else. But because this is a concentrated 10% alcohol, because this is a concentrated spirit, you need a distiller's license. Good. <laughs> Not good. So I looked up how to get this license. It's for in South Dakota, it's four thousand dollars a year. Just and this is on top of the federal licensing that I need, just to be able to buy the stuff from someone else to put in the hand sanitizer, I can so we can that. resell it. Boop, boop. 
This is your Look, blood man, pressure. This, this stuff is, is keeping pressure. our business alive right now. Retailers everywhere are taking a hit, and we found an opportunity that we can survive and thrive in this market. And now the government's just straight up telling us, like, ah, fuck it, you can't. Just nope. Just you need to pay us four thousand dollars a year just to have permission to buy it. Just to have permission to buy it. Just to physically get it into our hands. We have to ask Mother Government for a fucking permit. Mm-hmm. to buy something that someone has that wants to sell it to us but but just can't oh so i'm looking at buying at building a still <laughs> which i texted you about i was like how can i build a still? i get a text can you distill <laughs> liquor faster than one to two weeks god josh which i learned that you can it's just not typically a good idea and it can get expensive yeah. uh, i talked i talked to a uh a chemical or uh, yeah a chemical engineer who works at poet uh who's a friend of mine and he's like what are we doing here i was exactly. like we're making a science experiment in no way am i gonna- unschooling <laughs> in no way <laughs> am i going to uh build and manufacture a still for alcohol to produce hand sanitizer that's going to save people so here's the other thing lives um well wait so also wasn't there something about that you can't call it hand sanitizer oh yeah that's been since relaxed a little bit Mm. Uh, but technically the fda um because you are sanitizing which it falls under the regulatory guidelines of the food and drug administration sanitization is a medical term you can't say anything like kills germs or anything like that because now you're making a medical claim. So now it goes under their scrutiny. So now you have to go and have it tested by them. You have to pay them money and go through an approval process. Like all this bullshit. When they have all to go say do. 95 kills 99.9% of germs because they had and, it tested, right? Well, they just paid the FDA money. Sure. Like, I mean, <laughs> if you're Johnson & Johnson, be like, here's $100 million to just give us the permit we want. And we'll make sure that you're the, whoever the guy that you want is elected next time. Like, it's fine. And then you got guys like us who are just like, hey, <laughs> we're going off your recipe and your example of what it takes to be a good hand sanitizer. Now you won't even let us fucking make it just to, to, to redistribute. We could be giving this shit away. And the government's just like, nah, no. But you're not giving it away. But we're charging a good fair market price and it's keeping us alive, which allows us to redistribute <laughs> that money back into the co- economy. Oh, so, I didn't think I was going to get so hot so fast. This is just, it, it lights my freaking fire that daddy government won't allow this to happen for us. Is it mom or dad government? Or both? They're just Either a bunch way. of fuckers. Like, I don't know, man. Um. So here's where we started talking about. I know I have a basic understanding of distilling. And I know... Um, I've looked into doing it myself cause I think it's fun. It's interesting. It's cool. Uh, but I do know that it's extremely dangerous. Yeah. The permit doesn't care about the, the danger of it. Okay, there's no okay, test okay. to take. There's no inspections. There's no, okay. Okay. No, 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 no. There has to be inspections. Right. So that's what I text you and you laughed about. And then we both were like, we can't talk about this anymore because <laughs> we got to so talk about it on I, the podcast. I looked into your question. Okay. The, okay. So that's my thing. This is literally, this is what I'm, and I'm assuming many other people like me are, are just making the assumption that, well, you're being regulated. You have to pay this $4,000 or whatever a year Well, for poet. That's nothing. I'm not, I'm not, I, poet. G- I get it. We will give you a special Josh rate, but (laughs) (laughs) government government don't fuck care about me, man. Okay. So 
you paying that poet pays it the distilleries pay it poet to be fair poet pays an exorbitant amount more that there's, there's, okay. a, there's a twenty thousand dollar permit in south dakota just to produce fuel okay my so if i just want to drive my car and and produce a fuel from corn i just got to give the government twenty thousand dollars in order to do that what about those crazy people that do it out of like uh they're not producing their own ethanol and if they are they're doing it illegally or they're like chicken oil that falls in a different guideline because it's not an alcohol-based content okay uh, okay, so with that money, though, that you're paying, in my thought is that part of that should pay for somebody to come out and make sure that the you, because you're paying that money, that how you're using that alcohol is responsible or uh, that how you're using it is not endangering the public or that you're not putting 50% in your hand sanitizer so it actually doesn't do anything. Things like that, right? That's not what this license does. Why not? <laughs> ask, 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 ask your bro, the government. What this well, license what does, do? does, if, if, if we were to produce a spirit ever clear right we're making a high potent grain alcohol which is what a distiller's license would would allow us to do wait wait okay let's get it straight on are we talking about you distilling your own alcohol or you buying just already you know 200 proof alcohol or whatever it is at a wholesale type level either one right now i'm talking if you were to pay four thousand dollars it would allow you the ability to build a still in order to produce a grain alcohol of high concentration. You could make Everclear from it, mm-hmm. or or it would allow, or, or yeah, yeah, or, or rum, like yeah, any, any any liquor, right? Or it would allow me the ability to buy at wholesale from someone else, another distributor, which I currently can't do. What does it take outside of just paying the four K to get the license? You have to have federal licensing. In addition to that, which I didn't look up the cost of that because I was so mad by this point. Anyways, I'm sure, it's very affordable. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> Four grand a year is not affordable for a. Not for you, but obviously this licensing isn't directed toward you. Which is all the more bullshit. Why? Like if poet, I mean, if anything, like you said, people are all you know, all these big corporations. Like we want to support the little guy and stuff like that. All they're doing is hurting me. They're hurting our business and our ability to make and produce a product that the market wants and needs right now. And they're saying poet can do it. Like we're just, we're just put shoveling money in poet's pocket at this point. Well, they're government subsidy anyway, which is fucking ridiculous in the first place. It's just, it's just government saying, Hey little guy, no, you can't do it. Like this is a market opportunity for us to capture and grow and build our business to produce jobs, to produce more things, grow the economy. I mean, I'm not saying hand sanitizer is going to be a thing that kicks us up to the next level, Here's the thing. You are small potatoes. Which is why should they even care about me having a license then? Because you would be able to create an extremely dangerous substance. Or buy. I can't even buy it. Right? The, the, the two things go hand in hand with this license. Yeah. So you would be able to buy mass quantities of an extremely dangerous substance. Who the fuck cares? I don't know. I would think there's somebody <laughs> out there that says, if you I go, don't know if that you go up and, Josh should be able to have 
300 gallons of you should not be able to have 300 gallons of gasoline in your like as a stored stockpile in your in your farm then to run your farm equipment you you can't just have it in like kool-aid buckets or cool it buckets is, you have to store it properly which is just a good idea for every human that exists because you're risking your property are you, you gonna store it properly yeah we don't want our shop to burn down how do we know? The license doesn't do anything to protect any of that. I'm saying it should, though. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It's so it's, it's, that's what that's what I don't understand. Um, it's hurting all regulations provided by the government. Hurts Americans. It hurts if, our economy. It's not actually protecting any. I mean, it's protecting poet at the end of the day because now poets like we have alcohol. Like we can provide this. We can do all these things. And four grand to us is nothing. Like we'll pay whatever you want. We'll support the lobbyists to make sure that the little guys can't compete with us on any level ever. Well, and I mean, I'm, I'm just using poet Johnson and Johnson for example. They're producing hand sanitizer. You can't make hand sanitizer at a cost level not even to compete close and it's not because they're getting they're able to pay the fee or not it's simply on a mass scale you're you're not a price focused shop never have been never, never have been never will be and never that's want to be exactly but so it, it, it's irrelevant so why is there a regulation to prevent me from doing it because have okay Here's my thing. If, <laughs> I think we all assume, and I'm making a broad generalization for the American public, is saying that if I pay a licensing fee, something should happen. I'm okay with them charging you $4,000 if there was something that happened in the other way. You give them money. They come in and say, Josh, this is how you store this. This is how this. Then they check in on you every now and again. Like, I don't understand what the 4000 is for. The 4000 I give them money and they don't put me in jail. Right. That's, <laughs> and I'm okay with that if it was I. you pay them $4,000, but they also follow up with you, give you some, whether it's pdfs or whatever i mean like the, there those, needs to be something in return those would be along the guidelines of like health inspections sure if if i were producing a consumable alcohol which we're not we have no interest in doing mm -hmm. but this distiller's license would allow us to do that mm -hmm. that becomes with another license that pays for the health inspectors to come in and make sure that we're producing but you're providing you're you're creating something that you put on your skin that gets absorbed into the body, which is different than I get that something that you put down your throat and fair enough and suck it into your stomach. So why on earth would we ever produce a product that would potentially harm someone in that process? Rightfully so, if we did produce a product that say does burn someone or causes some sort of reaction that that ends up you know maiming or disabling someone mm. and they sue us like that's totally they should be able to do that right we should be under that burden and scrutiny of doing that we don't need government to come in and check up on us to make sure that we're producing the product appropriately to make sure that doesn't happen it's on us to do that because we want to stay in business we didn't go in business to hurt people and if we did we're not going to be in business for very long because nobody's going to buy our product nobody's going to sue us out of business anyways so just simply paying the government for a health inspection to make sure that we're producing and storing and doing all the things that we should be doing, mm -hmm. it's not doing anything for the end consumer it, that the end consumer can't already do to protect themselves. But don't you think if you had a gallon 
of Everclear versus 300 gallons of Everclear. Like if you were not storing that correctly, you at that point pose a potential risk for everyone in your strip mall. I pose a potential risk every time I any anytime anybody gets to a vehicle, you pose a potential potential risk to any of your neighbors or but you are required your own insurance. Yeah, because insurance is a good idea anyway. Right, but, but if you didn't have required to have it. And even if you didn't, even if you weren't required to have insurance and you didn't have insurance, if you end up causing damage or harm to someone, you are liable for those damages and charges. Right. So again, the requirement of adding insurance hasn't really done anything to protect the, con- the, the, the end consumer that they can't already do themselves. No, not the end consumer. And I, You're and talking I, and I have other insurance, people. And I have other insu- people. I, I mean, and on that note too, I have insurance on our building, on our on our property for our business. So if you so if we have- don't store it correctly, the insurance is going to cover it, and they're going to come after us and say, "Look, you're not storing it correctly." On, on, that, on that note too, the insurance company wants to know what we make. We don't make candles specifically because our insurance rate will go up to a degree that we don't want to deal with. And our, our insurance company verifies how we produce our candles. We have to submit a form that says what kind of candles we're making, the, the candle um, container that we're using. All these different questions go into it because the insurance company wants to know that we're producing a candle to make sure, like, yeah, these guys are producing candles. We want to make sure that they're doing it well enough. So if they cause damage in someone else's house, we can reasonably say, look, these guys did the steps that they're supposed to do. Your negligence in using their product caused your house fire, not the producer that made the candle. I'm talking your specific physical location of where you're making your product at. Same difference. I mean, so if you're saying it's okay, then if you are creating hand sanitizer and you have 300 gallons of 200 proof alcohol, your insurance will then increase because if that catches fire and blows up a half a city block, then your just insurance will pay for it. The insurance company is want, is going to want to verify that we're storing it correctly, right? That that's a great thing uh, because I want I want to have insurance to make sure that I'm protected in case. Why of an should event. you be able to buy that in the first place? Why shouldn't I? Because you're storing it in three hundred one gallon buckets in the back of your shop, and if that is an appropriate way to buy it and store it, then that's fine. Like, but I it's not. Then I wouldn't buy it in that way. Well, what if Billy Bob down the road does? Just because you will do it correctly doesn't mean everyone will. If Billy Bob does that and is serious about running a business, and even even if he does store it and does blow up half a strip mall, he's liable for all of it. But he's dead with no life insurance. I mean, we can <laughs> this get is into a lot of what about yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. At the end of the day, what does the regulation really helped to prevent or or do anything of value? Because right now there's people that want to buy our product that are happy with our product and we simply can't produce it because government won't let us. No, they will let you. <laughs> if I pay them enough money. That's extortion, you know. Is it? Is it not? I don't know. It it's extortion. It seems like they're. It seems like they're doing what they think is right, even though it's wrong. And they're forcing me at gunpoint in order to do it. Not necessarily gunpoint. I mean, they're not forcing you to pay four thousand dollars. Right. You're still they're, able to buy the Everclear as it comes in. You're they're, still they're you're saying still, you're able to buy from the wholesale liquor dealers. No. 
I can't buy it wholesale. You can't buy like the Everclear wholesale. Nope. Because license. you need that $4,000 license. Yep. I can't buy liquor at wholesale without having a special license. Even in the handles yep. that you would buy at a liquor store. I asked the liquor store this morning about it. If, if they could, I asked them specifically if I could order it in bulk from them and they give you a discount and they give me a discount and they said they can do a little bit, but they have to be careful based on their regulations at what they provide and sell because hmm. they still have taxes that they have to pay on everything that I wouldn't have to pay right. if I were to just buy it wholesale. I need a license and you can't sell it under a specific like there's like rules on how what you can mark alcohol down to right. and things yep. like that. And, yep. and that's exactly South right. Dakota is crazy. Right. It's different by all the states. Yeah. Oh, this one makes me mad, man. Super duper mad. I mean, I know that's just, just because this one's close to me right now. Yeah. But you just posted the thing about the regulation. Like we're looking at this pandemic and I attribute to 90% of the issues that we are facing in our country from the testing that we have or lack of testing to the way our hospitals are able to treat patients, it all comes down to regulation. You look at, I mean, we've we've closed things down. We're all talking about uh, overwhelming the the hospitals, right? So we need to flatten the curve to make sure the hospitals don't get overwhelmed with this. Yeah. Part of the reason why our hospitals don't have enough beds to meet the need is because they're not even allowed to expand. They have to go through a permitting process to show a need. There's a certification that specifically says uh, they have to show a need to expand. I mean, we did talk about how the testing. So there's many testing companies around the world. Mm-hmm. However, the government only allows specific companies that pass there or whatever. Or Win- winners there or and whatever. losers. Yep. Uh, but that article specifically talked about the face masks. At, right. And the whatever 95 or whatever the specific the face, N95 ma- yeah. face mask and there are there are, the cdc fda are now saying look how great we are because now we're allowing other people to <laughs> to sell and these face masks but even if even if you were a nurse you couldn't make a face mask at home that's probably better than the whatever and wear it at a hospital because it's regulated or um, people are talking about like reusing face masks and things like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like those aren't even options because they can't be because the government, because the CDC and the CDC by their own uh, acknowledgement said that it takes up to 95 days, around 95 days to be approved. Well, 95 days is three months from now. This whole thing will probably be over. And most of that approval process is is more along the lines of your business practice as opposed to your to your processing and manufacturing of the actual mass. There's, there's some of that too, mm-hmm. but you need to make sure. I mean, with a lot of this stuff, with the testing facilities too, there's tons of companies. That, so we can make tests for this. Like we have the, we have the capability, the processing, and they want to know like, what's your business structure like? Do you have the billing process in place that we require? Do you have the yeah. administration staff in order to handle the uptick in like all of these things? Like half of that regulation process and approval process is your business practices. Nothing to do with actually manufacturing and making a qualified, certified test that they believe is going to be helpful. And when the whole thing broke out in China, the first thing the federal government should, should have done 
it said we're just going to strip away all regulation across the country. Just any federal regulation is just gone. And, and that sends a signal to the free market that says we have a problem that we're not equipped to deal with. Solve it in whatever capacity. That means everybody start making hand sanitizer. Everybody start making toilet paper like crazy. Yeah. Every regulation that prevents the ability for us manufacturers, like even little companies like me, it would send a signal to be like, wow, hand sanitizer is going crazy. Let's go get what we need to make sure that we can fulfill the needs to our customers yeah. in whatever capacity that looks like. I think I think the the problem is that most people, well, not, not most people, some people, many people see regulation being synonymous with protection. Safety. Yeah, right? They do, and they are wrong to do so. It's that warm, fuzzy blanket. <laughs> Thank you, Daddy Government, for protecting us so well. Look at the level of regulation that exists on me just buying alcohol for hand sanitizer. It really does little to protect anybody or provide any safety. Now, there's some regulations that people say, well, we want to make sure that our beef is produced properly, right? Again, half of that regulation is involved in your business practices. But realistically, why could there not be? These are these are broad stroke regulations across the industry that don't make sense for some people. We can't sell our beef without going through steps A, B, and C that don't really apply to the way that they process their beef. So now they just can't sell it or they have to go through different regulation processes. It removes all consumer responsibility from the equation. They just say, well, government said that this yeah. is certified and qualified, so it's probably good. And then people get sick. There's E. coli breakouts. There's, you know, I mean, what was it? Uh, the taco place that went down for the E. coli. Taco Bell? No, no. Anyway, it doesn't really Sorry, matter. Sorry, Taco Bell. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't Taco Bell. I'm going to go down from this beer. <sighs> you can't even make beer for people without being federally and state licensed. Yeah, you can. You just can't sell it. And you can't sell it. Like, that's ridiculous. So I can make beer and give it to you. I just can't sell it. Add, add to it the regulation that they shut down all the bars and restaurants and then turn around and says... Uh, sorry, you can't deliver because of regulation. You've got, you've got, you've got, like, what is that really protecting? The fact that I can't take, you know, I, I'm a beer manufacturer and I can't just take this six pack and you can order it from me online and then I can go deliver it. That's and not then, a nationwide thing. That's a South Dakota thing. That's a South Dakota. And a lot of states have that though. Same thing with raw milk. We used to buy raw milk all the time, like raw from the cow and unpasteurized milk. It's a great product, man. If you don't dock it till you try it, right? Just, the sheer okay. fact, <laughs> the sheer fact that you cannot transport milk across state lines. That's federally regulated. That's not even a state thing. Just protect, protecting local milk cows. No. If I'm Lando Lakes, I can sell whatever the fuck I want to whoever the fuck I want. And you can mix milk in there. I get certified. I get tested, I think it's once every year, once every two years. It's something ridiculous like that. But a, but a, but a, but a raw milk manufacturer wants to make some milk. And they're in there every four months. And they're doing extra testing to make sure. And they test all the staphylococcus, all the bacteria, like all the different things that's in there. They don't test that for Lando Lakes. Lando Lakes, they that's go around. That's what makes the raw milk good. Exactly. And they just take this shit out and then they go around and they say, you can only sell it in this county and this county. And hope oh, that one's too far away. That one's across state lines. So well, those the cows people can't just, walk that far. 
those just don't get access to your milk that people want. And people have severe dietary issues that they can't drink the Land O'Lake shit. And they want to go buy the the stuff that comes right from the cow. You and need, they want it, but they're across from state lines. The government's like, ah, so, sorry, can't. Yep, can't, milk, just can't. Just, just milk almonds. Fuck you, you can't. Milk the almonds. Fuck, man. I'm trying to end this episode, Josh. I can tell by your signals. <laughs> I'm not done yet. Oh, fuck government. We're Man. definitely going to get a blood pressure cuff. <laughs> I hope we get an email about this. Somebody tells me, well, this regulation is saving lives. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is a good worthwhile regulation. There is zero reason why that leg- that regulation can't exist in the private sector apart from government. I we, didn't, we didn't get into that whole aspect of this, but... What? Of, of of privatized regulation. We've got the hemp industry, right? People are buying CBD like crazy. Hemp is highly unregulated, and it causes a lot of issues in the industry, which is why sooner or later we are going to see a regulatory body come together that is industry-specific that says if you want good quality hemp, you will grow it in these practices in these ways. You will get it tested in this way, and then you will get a stamp of approval that says you meet our standards right. to produce a quality product. And then anybody that goes to look for good quality hemp looks for that stamp. We're not talking about USDA shit over here because that's all bullshit right there. That's all just government putting together their little group of people, taxing everybody to pay for it. This is the industry working for the industry. Now, we tried to see something like this with something called the Hemp Authority. The Hemp Authority came in and says, hey, we're going to do this. It's going to be great. There again, though, they fucked it up and they went through, what's your big business practice? Am I spitting on you? No. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm just... It's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, look at, look up an open letter to the hemp authority and you'll see all the issues with that. Half of their regulation is like, Hey, pay us $25,000 for the licensing fee. It's a pay to play bullshit program. They go around and they say, well, what's your business practice, right? They're mostly targeted toward MLM, multi-level marketing companies. I'm not going to call out any hemp works names or anything like that, but we've got that bullshit going on. And then they put the stamp on it says, we're one of 13 companies that have paid, they don't say this, but we're one of 13 companies that have, have uh, authorized and approved by the hemp authority. And it sounds great. And people are like, oh, that's good. You look into the regular regulatory practice. It's all bullshit. How's that any different than the other? So anybody, anybody that does more than 15 minutes of looking on Google says the hemp authority doesn't mean anything. We need a new regulatory guideline. And there's a company out there that's working on standardizing the hemp industry. They're doing amazing things. They're going to make a ton of money. They're going to be the standard in growing good quality hemp in our country. And that is a good thing. And government has nothing to do with it. They're trying to have something to do with the they FDA. Will have something to do the with FDA it. every single day is working towards saying, hey, hemp producers, what's your THC content? We need to go in there. If you're over that, we're going to burn the fucking field. Hmm. At 0.3% THC, burn it. It scorches the fucking earth. The farmers out tons of money. They can't grow for a year or two. They have to grow cover crops. How does how does this make sense to anybody? Holy shit! <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna rate this beer? Boy, it's good. Do you like it? I really. I did not like the first sip. I have no idea where we left off <laughs> uh, because of the memory card got full. It is what it is. But uh, we're going to review this beer. You said it was good. It's, I thought it was good. It is. It is. Uh, I did not like the first couple sips, to be honest. A lot going on. It's very uh, heavy and fruity. 
It is so fruity. I was surprised how fruity it was. For sure. With the, I don't know, just with the description of this being some like old timey beer. Yeah. Like I wasn't expecting all this fruit in it. You can definitely taste the pineapple. Yeah, I think. for sure. Um, What's it called? The 59er? Yeah. From the Gold Rush? Yeah. 1859? I mean, it's, yeah. it's And it's, what a fascinating time of people doing a lot of things without regulation. Just to just to bring that around full circle, Hallelujah, <laughs> America. How many Liberty Steins? Uh, you know, I don't know what I said the first time. I think you said three and a half. But yeah, I'm gonna go with three and a half. Yeah. I do, I do quite. It's not one that I think I would drink glass after glass. Uh, you couldn't. You'd be dead. <laughs> but I think I could put uh, put a full glass down comfortably and uh, yeah. and be pretty happy with that. Yeah. Do you I'll, know, was this a gift to you or mm-hmm. interesting? Cause I was just about to say like, I almost think that I could, uh, I could pick one of these up at the store and uh, keep it in my fridge. Yeah. For a good yeah. I'll give it three and a half. I mean, I, it's good. It's complex. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, but again, it's not a beer you can just sit and drink all day. Yeah. You're going to have a glass. Like this a, is a great beer to drink at the end of a long day. Probably. For sure. You drink a full glass, nice and unwind, feel relaxed. And then go to bed. This this is the beer dream, for that. Dream about the government. <laughs> dream about life without government. Man. I was going to. Just in just the beginning, the I was going to gonna produce... go through. I'm thinking, okay, I'll just go through and bleep. But I was like, I don't, I don't have enough time for this. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just going to be an explicit This uh, is an episode. explicit. Yeah, it is. Uh, it so is. buy our fucking merch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Listen and, to uh, us on the fucking internet. And fuck the Fed and uh, fuck the regulations that the government imposes. Um, I mean, you can't even grow bees without a permit. Right? You shouldn't. They're terrifying little insects. To keep bees. They're terrifying. Bees are... Anyway. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the America Beer Baseball Tyranny Podcast. You can find us online at beerbaseballtyranny.com and on Facebook and Twitter at ABBT Podcast. You can view videos of our episodes on our website and on YouTube, and you can listen to them on your favorite podcast listening platform. Our theme music is Not Drunk by The Joy Drops. Until next time, friends.